Hello and welcome to a special edition of StarCast from Planet Waves. My name is Eric Francis Coppolino, the host of Planet Waves FM and the author of the Planet Waves Horoscope and a few other bits and bobs here and there. I'm here today with a an, an edition that's an overview of all things Taurus. Um, probably not all things, maybe just a, a few things, and also some of the upcoming events that are going to be in the sign Taurus. The sun entered the first of the four fixed signs at 1.14 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, uh, less than an hour after a hybrid, rare hybrid total annular solar eclipse was uh, visible down in the southern hemisphere, way down at the bottom of the planet. Uh, And so the sun is in Taurus. The moon is also in Taurus because the eclipse happened right on the imaginary line between Aries and Taurus. First the moon entered, followed uh, close on its heels by the sun. Uh, And then on, uh, I guess it's on Friday, the 21st Mercury stations retrograde for 22 days. Let's first go over some Taurus basics. Uh, You may know much of this. um, And if you have anything to add down in the comments, please do. Uh, Taurus is a fixed sign. Uh, There are basically three crosses of the zodiac, the the uh, what's the first one? Uh, car- cardinal signs. Those are the ones that represent the cardinal points. Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn. The fixed signs that come at the middle of a season, whereas the cardinal signs always begin a season, the fixed signs come at the middle of a season, and those are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And, uh, they're all, they're all uh, rather similar, followed by the mutable signs, which are Gemini, Virgo, Sag, and Pisces. So uh, one of the ways to handle all of the complexity of astrology is to break things down into simpler categories and then go into more detail as you need it. And so one of the one of the most basic categories, for example, as we all know, Taurus is an earth sign. Uh, there are there are three of those. But Taurus is also a fixed sign. And in many ways, this tells you more about how Taurus feels and how it might handle something uh, and its just general energetic signature than the fact that it is an earth sign. But it is an earthy fixed sign. So that makes it rather fixed. And what does that mean? It means that uh, Taurus prefers stability And in addition, what happens when things take hold in Taurus is that they can become very stable. And also, I have seen that people with a strong Taurus signature in their chart, it doesn't just have to be the sun, it it can be the sun, but for example, speaking of Taurus suns, tend to become an enduring force in whatever they do once they succeed. And so you can look at the, 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 the list of famous Taurus people and you find out that they are kind of like a, a very steadily moving train. They, they tend to have a deep effect on what they do and uh, generally can reestablish a, a, a new pattern or a kind of a new constitution in, in whatever field 
they are in. Uh, they do not necessarily get a fast start in what they are doing. Sometimes they do, but then there is a um, a, a real steady quality. One of my favorite examples of, of a Taurus is Brian Eno, a name most people have never heard. Some of you have heard if you listen to Planet Waves FM because I feature him every year, at least, on Planet Waves FM. And and Eno, uh, he just uh, chugs along putting out these albums that, that might only sell 50,000 or, or 75,000 copies, but he, he gets his... Um, he gets his place in the record catalog on a regular basis because he, uh, for example, was behind the success of bands like U2 and Talking Heads, both of which are also led by Tauruses and both of which have also been enduring forces uh, for, let's say, the development of their various uh, various rock genres. So Eno is a record producer and also a, a composer and a musician. And I spent a lot of time tuning into the work of these people and learning about their approaches and their and their methods and their collaborations. You know, worked very closely both with David Byrne and with Bono and the, and the rest of you too. And it makes an interesting study in how you make enduring, lasting art. So that's one of the contributions of, of Taurus. And uh, as a sign ruled by Venus, right, that should have been right in the lead, but as a sign ruled by Venus, we have uh, an, an energy field that is sensitive to beauty and that is sensitive to this elusive thing known as the feminine, and also uh, w- which is um, expressive in material form. It's not that Taurians are necessarily materialistic, but they tend to like their stuff in a certain way more than the the rest of us like their stuff, and they also tend to be a little old fashioned and traditional, um, which is why I could make a joke in a satire Taurus horoscope saying that your old radio is as good as any new radio because nobody really has a new radio, right? <laughs> so uh, Tar- Taurus is like their old radio; they want their egg beater. They don't need a blender necessarily, unless it's margarita night, in which the case it will have a very good blender, but grandma's egg beater works just fine. Uh, they're wonderful at, uh, at doing things like antiquing, and they are also, uh, they, they tend to be upholders of etiquette and of protocol. So I've got a Taurus friend named Neil, and Neil's the guy who will tell you exactly how long you're supposed to talk to someone at a cocktail party for, no more than five minutes, and is because you've got to keep it circulating. And as the only person I, I've ever seen who has the Emily Post books on his bookshelf where everyone can see them, and I'm sure he has read them. And so Taurus does something very important, which is to provide a g- grounding and upholding of traditions and making sure that uh, that traditions last a while. Now, this energy, to some extent, spreads into all of the fixed signs, for example, Leo, Aquarius, and Scorpio, um, all of which have this tendency to be as steady as possible and as, um, let's say, enduring and unchanging as possible uh, until there is some kind of a seismic reorientation. And, and right now, the entire uh, a fixed cross is under the influence of Pluto, which has just entered the fixed sign Aquarius. And today, as I'm speaking, though I have not played this up very much because it was kind of easy to miss and all the uh, hoopla about the eclipse this morning of the sun is square 
Pluto in Aquarius, Taurus Sun, square Pluto in Aquarius, and this is uh, one one of the the combination of the eclipse and Sun square Pluto is uh, count as two of the first major events of or or events, not necessarily major, but the eclipse was pretty special today uh, of the the Pluto in Aquarius era. Uh, another thing about Taurus. As described by Alice A. Bailey, the author of Esoteric Astrology, she talks about how Taurus is the blacksmith shop of the soul. And so when you see a very well-presented Taurus, they never go out of the house not looking impeccable. Whatever they're going to be impeccably, if they're wearing a a running suit, they're going to look impeccable in their running suit. And if they're wearing – they're hippied out in their tie-dye, it's going to be nice, matching, well-presented tie-dye. And if they, you see them on the red carpet at the Grammy Awards, they're also going to look equally good for that kind of uh, event. Uh, so there's always this presentation factor with Taurus. And almost with anything, uh, Venusian Libra has this as well, not to the same extent that, that Taurus does. You know, the exactly right matching shoes and the cuffs breaking exactly perfectly in the exactly right tie, saved for three years for that event. But underneath that facade of Taurus, there is this hot, smoky room where the metal is melting and where Vulcan is smashing on the anvil and and shaping things. And so Taurians, despite this very well-composed, well-presented external appearance, can often have uh, this deep, tremendous sense of inner movement and and shift and often of conflict that – is concealed by their presentation. So you you get to know a Taurus, you've got to get to get to know a Taurus, you've got to get into the blacksmith shop and find out uh, what is going on there, what the, the real emotions that are uh, that are going on in there and this is uh, implying that it is necessary and helpful for for Taurus signature people, people with a lot of Taurus going on to be creative so they are not self-destructive. It is very easy to become self-destructive for a Taurus when they start to become consumed in their mental chatter, which is one of these very distinct things about about Taurus that um, I, I can't quite really explain why that is, but many of them report they've got this very high level of mental chatter that can make them great storytellers and, um, and p- performers. But if that Mental chatter is toxic and self-defeating, and um, in in some way, um, a, a tape or a script that brings them down uh, that that can be uh, very painful for them and for everyone around them. So, Torians have a, uh, a, a a strong need to learn how to convert energy. Uh, neutral energy into creative energy and negative and toxic energy into uh, creative and then put their stability to work for them being consistent in this new approach uh, to who they are and and what they do. Uh, The tarot card associated with Taurus is the Hierophant. Uh, This is one of the most interesting and in some ways elliptical cards of the uh, entire major arcana. But the Hierophant card where uh, there's essentially – it depends on which deck you're using for for which mythology. So, you know, if you have have Crowley, it's the, you know, the actual – kind of not actual – is there an actual Hierophant? But in the the archetypal sense, 
uh, the Hierophant. Uh, but in a card like, for example, from the Rider Waite tarot, you have two monks kneeling before the Pope. Uh, and the monks, the card is given away. There's always a giveaway to the meaning of the card in some sublime symbol in the card. And the thing that tips the meaning of the Hierophant card is that you've got two monks kneeling before the Pope, and one is wearing a vestment with lilies on it, and one is wearing a vestment with roses on it. And so you have depicted the white path of Tantra and the red path of Tantra, a path a path that's more associated with asceticism and perhaps some would say purity, and then you have a path that is associated uh, with passion and with um, impulse and, uh, you know, taking big bites and eating the whole pie. But the key is that the red path and the white path are equal before the authority of the hierophant. And so there's not the need to judge so harshly, you know, what, what path someone is on, as long as they are true to their purpose and true to their teachings, the authority depicted, whether it's the Pope or the Hierophant or whoever it might be in that version of the deck, it's always some uh, some authority is really an internal authority that we learn uh, to cultivate. And when I see the uh, the card, the Hierophant, come up in a reading, I think, okay, it's time to pause for a minute and let's say seek some form of higher counsel or go to a, um, a, a kind of a, a thought form where I'm really asking what is the right approach, what is the right thing. So the Hierophant card generally implies a question in itself uh, which is the right approach, question mark, and then also uh, is um, suggestive that you don't necessarily need to be too judgmental of what the right approach is or might be. Okay, so more on that as uh, we proceed through uh, through Taurus. I'll have lots more to say. There's a whole bunch of events going on in Taurus. Uh, for example, on the uh, 21st, Mercury stations retrograde in Taurus. The entire Mercury retrograde will will be in Taurus. Uh, the Mercury-Sun conjunction takes place on May 1st. That's the midpoint uh, in the Mercury retrograde. That's right when Mercury is exactly between the Earth and the Sun. That is on May 1st. Uh, on May 4th, there's the Sun conjunct Albion, formerly known as 1992 QB1. Any of my Longtime readers have met 1992 QB1, the thresholder who is uh, hierophant-like, and that uh, the 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 role of the thresholder is to assist people in their process of approaching the edge, whatever that edge may be. The thresholder takes you to the threshold. You can, if you Google that word in my name, you'll come up with lots of things I've uh, recorded and written about thresholders, and I'm uh, fortunate to know and work with several of them. Then the very next day, uh, the sun is opposed by the moon. The moon passes through the penumbra of the shadow of the earth for a lunar eclipse that takes place on Beltane. Uh, so Beltane is when the sun is at 15 degrees of Taurus. There's three other corresponding holidays. For example, Samhain, Lamas, and Imbolc are all significant days in the celestial calendar, all of them associated with the sun being exactly at the midpoint of a fixed sign. 
Uh, by the way, while we're on the subject, things that are at the midpoint of a fixed sign relate directly to anything in the first degree of a cardinal sign. So that's why I call things that occur at the midpoint of a fixed sign, for example, uh, an opposition of the moon and the sun on Beltane, I refer to that as an Aries point event because it is mathematically and seasonally in harmony with the first degree of all of the cardinal signs. And so things, the upshot here is that anything that takes place around the middle of a fixed sign is in this kind of amplification zone where things can uh, have uh, greater significance and impact than you might have thought they had, or they blatantly have uh, a, a tremendous impact on society and get a lot of attention. And the list of things that have happened around Aries points events is uh, significant, and that is to say long and, and uh, loaded with huge events, and it would be a fun presentation. In case anybody in the listening audience is an Aries Point fan, finds this to be fascinating, we can collaborate on the uh, on the research. So, uh, and then tell people quickly what we learned. Uh, so, on this coming Beltane, in two weeks, the sun is opposed by the moon for an eclipse of the moon, and at the same time, the sun is conjunct Albion 1992 QB1. So, this is uh, quite a, um, a special Beltane that will be forthcoming. All right, finally, um, oh, Albion, by the way, uh, is in Taurus from 2014 through 2026, a 12-year trip. And uh, for those who are fans of Pluto and the Kuiper Belt, Albion, uh, formerly 1992 QB1, was discovered in the first degree of Aries, and it was also the first object in our solar system ever discovered beyond Pluto. Uh, I have an article called uh, 19, Your Q to B1. Let's see if I can link it from this, which is the story of the discovery of 1992 QB1. For years, I was friends with Dr. Jane X. Liu, one of the co-discoverers. She's a uh, planetary scientist and astrophysicist at MIT and told me the whole story and has answered many of my questions about the nature of this kind of um, asteroid belt of icy critters that is uh, all they're all buzzing around Pluto. Uh, there are millions of them and some of them are known. but the first one besides Pluto was 1992 QB1 Albion. Also in a similar group to this is Sedna. Now, many of you have heard of Sedna care about Sedna. Sedna has been in Taurus between 1960 has been in Taurus since 1967 and will be in Taurus through, 2024. There'll be a bit of a phase out. It'll make a couple of uh, retrogrades and re-enter. So this is a tremendously slow-moving planet. I think that um, that uh, uh, Sedna is something like uh, 21,000 years to orbit the sun, right? Isn't that crazy? It's like a procession of equinoxes. Let's check. Hold on. Let's uh, while, I'm, while I'm into that, it's not, it's not quite that long. The orbit of Sedna is... 11,000, I was off by a little, I was off by a few millennia, 11,408 years it takes this object to orbit the sun. So when it moves through, um, when it moves through a Taurus in, you know, 
60 years or so, you know that it's close to the sun because it's going to take a lot longer to move through other signs if the entire orbit is 11,408 years. But the news about Sedna, which, by the way, has not been in the news since it was discovered in 2003, unless you happen to go to astrology conferences uh, and one person is allowed to talk about it, probably none anymore, uh, is that uh, that Taurus has been a kind of a dominant energy and force in Taurus uh, for all of that time. And uh, it is about to go into Gemini. So in 24, 25, it's going to uh, transition into Gemini. And we will experience uh, Sedna in a different sign for the first time. A key phrase for Sedna, courtesy of Melanie Reinhardt, keep your heart open in hell. Isn't that good advice for the times we are living in? Okay, if you listened this far, you're probably interested in certain things or all things Taurus. On uh, Monday, I am planning to record the Taurus Studio reading, which will take all of the astrology that I just gave you and all these little um, kind of ideas about Taurus, and I will uh, present them in a 75-minute reading with original music. It's uh, something like $33. It's it's almost as good as doing a personal consultation with me at a mere 12 times the price. So you really get your money's worth with these things. I, I didn't mention that Taurus is the most frugal sign of the Zodiac. Uh, you know, and the, the stories are legion um, about that. But uh, I would say to Taurians who are frugal and want to spend your astrology dollars wisely, uh, my Taurus reading for you will be a very wise investment. You can play the thing five times and still hear new things each time, as with this podcast. All right, signing off uh, from a beautiful day in Kingston, New York at 1.48 p.m. On the first day of Taurus, April 20th, 2023. My name's Eric Francis. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.